Hi, Ron here and welcome. We love that you've come to join us here and listen to a lot of our episodes. Please help us continue with this by supporting us through either joining the Barack Center at thebarackcenter.com or joining us at the Fringe Church at thefringechurch.com and sharing and donating through those sources. And once again, thank you for joining us today. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Devotions. Um, thank you for the uh, bits and bobs of feedback that we've had. Uh, I've been worried that we're spending too long setting this thing up, but there's no other way to do it. Um, so today I'm going to tell the story through from basically the time of the death of Paul to when the book of Revelations really cut in. Uh, I had hoped we'd be reading in chapter 17 today, but realistically, that'll probably be again tomorrow. But chapter 17 actually tells the story I'm about to tell you, and I'll, I'll show you that, God willing, tomorrow. For now, though, um, let's just think about who this was written to and what's the context for the whole thing. Now, chapter 17, like I said, is going to tell this story in apocalyptic terms, um, and we'll get into that. But first, just to tell you the story. Revelation was written at the time of the Emperor Domitian. Um, he reigned between 81 and 96. Um, but we need to start the story about 40 years before that. Nero, uh, the emperor who, under whose watch Paul was most likely killed, um, was um, one of the most notorious of the Roman emperors. Brutal, selfish, narcissistic, hedonist, um, appalling uh, at management and governance, riddled with personal insecurities uh, and fears, and his administration of Rome and of the old empire was culpably bad. He lived a life of tremendous excess and pandered to the rich and aristocratic, let the city and the empire go to ruin, ruin as he raped its resources for his personal ends. The end result of really appalling city maintenance was a dreadful fire that ravaged the place in 64 AD. He, sorry, Rome. Sorry, I've, I have a live audience who just said, what place? Uh, Rome. <laughs> um, and um, he created the environment where something bad had to happen. And when it did, he did what weak and um, sad people do. He looked for a scapegoat. And um, the Christians were a very soft target. They were a minority. They were not well understood. People didn't like them much. And there were plenty of Jews and others who just hated them. So they were charged with arson and humanity hating. Now, the result was a persecution. It wasn't widespread, but in Rome, it was intense and extreme. Um, the Christian claim to be the light of the world was mocked as Christians were ignited in vats of oil. There was one night where a large amount of central Rome was lit up with burning Christians. The deaths of the Christians were a matter of public spectacle and entertainment. Now, his rule generally was so horrifying and, and sort of so, it, it just felt so evil that a myth arose. The idea was that the evil in such uh, a satanically bad person would have to return. Such evil could not be expelled just by the death of one man. 
the the thing that drove Nero would be back. Uh, it would live again. And so the, the myth known as Nero Redivivus um, arose. The idea was that Nero himself or the spirit that drove him would be back. As far as the Christians were concerned, in the time of Domitian, that's exactly what happened. Now, during the period between Nero and Domitian, uh, there was a sequence of rulers of varying ability and competence, um, a couple of usurpers and you know, some periods where they had a number of rulers in a very short period, all that sort of stuff. But um, something happened that had the seedbed of disaster for the Christians. The empire invented a religion. Now, its goal was, was quite reasonable. They just wanted to unify the empire. And, and the way you did that was, was religion, because yeah, religion's a thing, you know, everybody does it. Plenty of gods, you invent one more, who cares? And so they invented the cult of the goddess Roma. Now, Roma was the empire god. Um, yeah, you see the statues of Britannia, um, the spirit of Britain, you know. It was sort of like that, except mm, really a religion. Now, their intention was not to actually create a religion. They just wanted to have a way that people could make a pledge of allegiance to the empire and the emperor once a year. And it was your citizen responsibility. It was just a way of saying, yeah, I'm in, I'm, I'm a citizen, I'm good, I'm, I'm part of this thing. And so the homage, uh, the worship was really easy. Once a year, you'd toddle down to the, um, the goddess's temple, grab a pinch of incense and sprinkle it over a flame and say, Caesar is Lord, and go out, you are done. That just, Caesar is Lord, dunk, and you're out. So not a problem to anyone. I mean, for the, the vast majority of the people in the image, it was a good idea, it works, yeah, you know. And, you know, well, I've got 15 gods anyway, so who cares? Um, and it, it wasn't believed by the emperors as any sort of real religion. It was just a, a unifying thing. Vespasian apparently on his deathbed was asked if he was afraid of dying and he made a very black joke about well, why should I be afraid I'm God and because uh, yeah Roma was the consort to the emperor who was the god so Roma sorry was the was Mrs God to the emperor who was Mr God now ultimately Domitian comes to power now this guy had a peasant background was crippled by personal insecurity. He desperately craved affirmation and to overcome the derision of the nobles who despised him as a member of an inferior class. He just wanted to belong and for someone to tell him he was a good bloke. He went completely mad. He took the title Lord and God and started to claim his divinity. He went insane. He demanded more than allegiance of citizens. He demanded homage from worshippers. And in his madness, he decreed that the empire, should, the empire should be purged of atheists. Atheists were people who did not recognize his divinity. So major problem now for Christians and Jews for most of the rest of the world, said, I'm converting. I'm in. I'm going to the Temple of Roma right now. You know, queues around the block at that. You know. The Jews had a modicum of protection. They were a recognized religion. The schism between the synagogues and the churches was now significant. 
And in fact, in the persecutions that erupted, the, the Jewish community was frequently the home of the informants and, uh, and people who pointed the, um, the powers that be to the, the Christians. Both said, no, uh, we can't worship another god. Jews got away with it better. Christians didn't get away with it at all. So a severe persecution erupted throughout the entire empire. Uh, now, in the region where John's churches were, something strange had happened. And the persecution was at its most intense in this region. The reason was that in the temple of Sibel and Attis, a, a strange and dangerous thing had happened. A charismatic prophetic oracle form of the state religion had emerged. And there were people in trans-like states prophesying and, and, and really um, giving religious, very powerful religious sanction to Domitian and the empire. He loved it. He just thought this is the best thing ever. He gave these priests the honorary title of kings and paid particular attention to the atheists in this region who had such great opportunities to convert to the one true faith. Martyrdom was common. High-profile people who couldn't easily be killed were exiled. John was one of this group. He was exiled to Patmos. That's the story. That's time for the morning. That is the story of chapter 17, though. So tomorrow morning, we will read chapter 17, and I'll just show you how that story is in that chapter. Then we'll go back to chapter one and just start reading Revelation on a slow read, the same way we did Acts. Let's come to God. Let's pray. Father, we still live in a world where that history repeats itself all the time. Appalling people find themselves in high places and out of their dreadful, subhuman, unsaved personalities and backgrounds find ways to pander to the already rich and well-to-do and then find some form of religion that will back them up. And God, this satanic combination of religion that serves the state and a state that promotes bad religion, we see in so many places. So Father, we pray, that's probably the first, first moment to pray, God, that you would give us eyes to see when things are going wrong in our world. Father, to understand just the principles of this history, and we'll see it in the passage tomorrow. But Lord, help us, as John had to realize in, in chapter 17, he says, I was shocked when I saw this city. He was shocked when he saw the judgments of God and what was really going on. Father, help us to see with eyes that can shock us and where we can stand with you to still bring light and truth into a world that can be so troubled and so traumatized. Anyway, Lord, with a history lesson under our belts rather than devotions, we go out into the day. Father, help us to be redemptive. Help us, God, to live faithfully to Jesus. Help us to be the servants of the one God we know. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, folks. Tomorrow morning, dead set, promise, we'll open the Bibles uh, in chapter 17 of Revelation.
God bless and uh, see you then. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode. And please, don't forget to sign up to the thebarackcenter.com or thefringechurch.com and help support us so we can reach many more. Thank you again for joining us today.